listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and on today's episode, we have a singer and a songwriter and a multi-instrumentalist. We've been hearing that word a lot lately on the show, but this show is a little bit different because this young lady is 16 years old, yet an incredible body of work that she's amassed already. We're going to get to all of that. Let me introduce her first. I'm talking about Molly Jean. Molly, welcome to The Rick Z Show. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for letting me come and be a part of the podcast. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. The first thing that I need to ask you, though, is about your name. You're Molly Jean Freer, right? Is that, that is that, correct. That, that's the, your full name. But you go by Molly Jean. Do, do you go by Molly Jean as a musician, or do your friends call you Molly Jean? I go by Molly Jean as a musician. That's kind of my stage name. At school and stuff, my friends just call me Molly. They just call you Molly. Yep. Well, I'll just call you Molly. But All I'll, right. I'll introduce you as Molly Jean. Sounds good. How old were you, Molly, when you first started to discover that you had some musical ability? Well, I've been loving music basically my entire life. My parents like to joke that I came out of the womb singing. <laughs> and when I was two, I believe, I started to take a Yamaha class. And I learned a bit of piano there. And I also... One of the nice things about the Yamaha program was they really put an emphasis on composition. Like we would learn a piece and then the instructor would say, all right, now how can we do a variation on that? And we started to really discover different tunes and different ways we could make songs our own. And how old were you at that time? Did you say you were two? Yes. Wow. Okay. I mean, how can a two-year-old even comprehend what they're talking about? When I was two, I was still trying to tell the difference between people and furniture. (laughs) So so you recognized or your parents recognized that you had some musical talent at that time? I was just a big fan of music in general. I remember going on road trips and listening to Keith Urban albums and stuff. And we just kind of went from there and I've I'm here now today probably because of that do you consider yourself a country artist specifically or just a songwriter does it not matter do you, do you not like those categories I don't mind the idea of categories and stuff I am okay with whatever label people want to put on me I just consider myself a songwriter I just write songs that's what I do but if someone likes it as a country song then there you go well, you also play a lot of instruments. The list is incredible, mostly stringed instruments, but in addition to guitar, you also play dulcimer and ukulele and mandolin and banjo. Where'd you learn to play all these, and are you self-taught? Um, for the most part, I am self-taught. Obviously, with the piano, I started out with the Yamaha program, but for my other instruments, I used uh, Mel Bay instructional books, and I taught myself how to play them. I started out with the ukulele, and then the guitar, and then I started doing other instruments like the mandolin and the dulcimer. Wow, I mean, that's a a lot of stuff. That's, I mean, would you say you gravitate mostly towards string instruments? Yeah, I would think so. The ukulele was kind of my focal point in my work and in my songwriting and stuff for a while, and then once I learned the guitar, that kind of became the new focal point for me. Mm -hmm. Well, you've played all over the place. I mean, you don't just play locally. You've played in many states, Ohio, Massachusetts, Connecticut, all over the place. What intrigues me the most out of this roster of states you played in is Tennessee. I love Tennessee, and specifically Nashville. Now, you've played down in Nashville before. Yes, I've been very lucky. I've gotten to play um, a bunch of different places in Nashville, including the Loveless Cafe, mm. Antique Archaeology. And one of the nice things about playing in Tennessee is I've been able to make so many friends in the music business. There are songwriters that I've met in Nashville and in Gatlinburg at the Smoky Mountain Songwriters Festival, which I go to every year, that have since kind of become my mentors, like Carl Jackson and Larry Cordell. Whenever I come to the Station Inn, when they, when they play at the Station Inn, they always let me come up with them for a song, and it's very cool. I mean, these are big names. I mean, you've worked with uh, Bill Anderson. He's a staple of the Grand Old Opry. He kind of took over after Porter Wagner died. He, he became kind of the, the mainstay at the Opry, whispering Bill Anderson. It's a legend, that guy. Not to mention Carl Jackson, who's a great producer, an amazing guitar player. I, I mean, there's so many experiences that you've had. Was this just from networking? Did you just you meet, met the right people and they said, you know, I mean, cu- country audiences and country performers tend to be, uh, you know, very down home and, and very casual. And I, I could see them trying to encourage a young person, get them up on stage. But what was that like? Well, it was definitely a lot of that. Um, one of the nice things about Nashville is it's basically one big musical family. 
and everyone tries to support each other. There's not a lot of competition or anything discouraging creativity. It's a lot of building each other up. And so from that, I was able to go to Nashville for the first time and really feel like I belonged. And I started going to songwriters festivals and meeting people and then they would introduce me to more people. And it was a lot of networking, like you said. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the coolest experiences was in the summer of 2018, I believe, um, Jeannie Seely, who's another staple at the Grand Ole Opry, yes. actually invited me to come backstage for my birthday. Oh, my goodness. So I got to walk wow. around and meet a lot of people. I got to meet the songwriter Don Schlitz, who wow. wrote The Gambler and sure. and When You Say Nothing at All and Forever and Ever, Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to meet Riders in the Sky, which was very cool because I've been listening to them in Toy Story 2 since I was little. <laughs> so, so it was very cool to get to really see what a night at the Opry is like from a behind-the-scenes point of view. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name right away, but it's coming clear to me now, Tom Paxton. Yes. Uh, just a master of Americana and, and folk songwriting, and he's a legend in his own right, too. You worked with him. Yeah, I got, I got to... That's one of the more local connections that I've made. When I first started playing guitar and playing ukulele and singing my songs out instead of just singing them in my house for YouTube, one of the first places I went was the open mic at the Town Crier Cafe. Mm. And from there, I've been able to make a lot of other connections with with Tom Paxton and a bunch of other amazing songwriters. So that has been a lot of fun, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of Nashville, I play down in Nashville myself, and I've been playing down there for for many, many years. And the first time I ever went down there, I I was terrified because, you know, you've got the greatest singers and guitar players in the world. I didn't realize how much they prize the song, how important songwriters are to them. You get, it's Music City, so it's very intimidating. But once I got down there, you know, songwriting is kind of what I do. So I felt like I could hold my own. And I noticed that camaraderie down there between musicians. Instead of a big competition, everybody seems to be playing together and helping each other. Very different than up here in New York, I find. It sounds like you had a similar experience, but when you first went down there, was it scary? Were you intimidated? I mean, I had done my preparation. We had bought probably two or three books about all the different things to do in Nashville. And we already had started to make a few friends through the music industry and through my videos. And so I I kind of took it as a family vacation that happened to be to Music City. And so we went to a lot of the quote-unquote touristy places like like the Pancake Pantry and stuff like that. Country Music Hall of Fame. Yes, um, we. that was one of the things we did. We didn't realize when we got the tickets, we didn't realize you could leave and come back. So we spent like seven hours just walking around. And one thing about the Country Music Hall of Fame, there are no benches anywhere. Yeah, so we were right. just standing the whole time. I but think it there's was... one in the little movie theater yes. they have. You know, that's about yeah. it. But it was, yeah. it was really fascinating getting to... Because I had just heard the music on the radio and stuff like that, and I hadn't realized how deep the roots of country music really went until I was immersed in it all. And I think that's what helped with that nervousness, as you said, the ability to learn something from it and to learn more about the history of the music. It can be a real trial by fire. You just jump in and start swimming. But I, the, their hospitality down there and their love of music, you know, makes it a, a lot easier. And you're very good anyway, so I'm sure you didn't have much of a problem. Thank you. S- speaking of that, I'm sure our listeners are dying to find out, the ones that haven't heard you play, what you sound like. Would you be willing to play a song for us? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. So what are we going to hear, Molly? This is a song that we wrote, we Um, My mom and I are co-writers, and we usually write our songs together. And my mom heard our neighbors arguing, and one of them said, it's always your way or the highway. And she thought, that's a good idea for a song, because we (laughs) literally find songs everywhere we turn. So she brought that to me, and we worked on it. And then we we wrote the song, and then a, a, a few days later, we actually played it for our neighbors, and they loved it. Like, we weren't sure if they were going to love it or hate it, but they loved it. And actually, the woman who said, it's always your way or the highway, said, next time we're arguing, I'll open the window so that, we can, so that you can hear us better. And they'll be immortalized in song. That's so, really funny. So this one is called Between Your Way and the Highway. All right, go for it. 
asking just where you and I went wrong. From loving each other to hating each other, you've wondered about it for so long. Since I said goodbye, you've asked yourself why you never couldn't breathe. You spent all your time trying to prove you were right instead of trying to love me. If you looked between your beautiful that was really good what a song now you mentioned your mom co-writes some of these songs with you is she just an idea person or does she write lyrics and suggest chords or or what responsibilities do you have which ones does she have well when we first started out we were co-writing a lot and it was mostly she would work more on the lyrics and I would work more on the music but um, in the past few years we've been trying to kind of try each other's jobs a little bit and both get better mm-hmm. at at all types of songwriting. Well, the songs have a, a real sophistication about it. You, you have a beautiful vibrato to your voice. I mean, they're honed. Your skills are honed when you play these songs. It doesn't sound like a kid is playing them, not to call you a kid. <laughs> but at 16, not a lot of people have songs this good. I'm sure you realize that. Well, thank you. Um, I... I just try to work on my songwriting as best I can. And like I said, I have so many wonderful mentors in the music industry. And I think that's what really helps is that I've been listening to really good music all along. So I have a really good example on which to to bounce. And your dream is to play at the Grand Old Opry one day, isn't it? Yeah, I would, I would love to play there someday. Um, right now I'm happy with whoever I'm able to brighten their lives a little bit with my music um, but I would love to eventually go to Nashville full time and get to play at the Grand Ole Opry and really perform as a songwriter. Something tells me you're going to get your chance. <laughs> Thank you. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're kind of an old soul. The kind of country music that you gravitate toward, people like Jeannie Seely, a lot of people don't even know who that is. Jeannie Seely had all these great duets with Farron Young and, you know, is 
a, a legendary figure herself, and I know you like Hank Williams. A lot of people your age, songwriters, may be influenced by Casey Musgraves or um, maybe Miranda Lambert or Taylor Swift. Where do you get this old school stance from? How did that enter into your music? Well, I love all of the newer inspirations, too. You like them, too? I do. I, I, what I've found is that the more I listen to music in general, whether it's older music from the legends of country music or from the newer people who have made their mark, I find that as long as it's a good song, that's what really matters. I've always had a passion for history. It's one of my favorite subjects in school. So I love learning about where the music that I enjoy comes from mm. and the, the roots of the music. It's lo- so important. It's very overlooked with songwriters to, to really delve into music history and how important that is to somebody's development as a songwriter. Yeah. Um, I loved the Ken Burns documentary that just came out, the country music documentary. Sure. That was really cool. It it taught me a lot that I, I didn't even know, ju- even from my even from my time in Nashville learning about music. And it was really, really fascinating to see all the different influences that country music had in its early years and all the different people who made it come to life. You know, I started taking songwriting more seriously when I was about your age. I was about 16 years old, and I thought, this is what I want to do, and I want to learn how to do this better. But I didn't make my first album until I was 18. You made your first album five years ago when you were 11. An 11-year-old making an album, Made You Look is the name of the album. I love that title. Where does that come from? Well, one of the songs on the album is called Made You Look, Mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out what the album title should be. And I think my dad was actually the one who suggested it. He said that if someone looks over at the album, it would be very fun and almost tongue-in-cheek to say, hey, we made you look. Great idea. Your parents are a big influence on your music, I see. Both of them are. And your father, Joel, he said that he uh, texts home from time to time and uh, has little ideas that he'll he'll throw your way, see if it turns into a song. Yeah, sometimes he'll... One of the songs that I've written recently came from something he said he I think he was trying to say I don't really care to someone at work but accidentally said I don't want to care and was like oh that's a good idea for a song so he texted it to us and my mom and I worked on the lyrics and the music and we have a song you think like a songwriter I can tell because those are the kind of things that songwriters key into phrasing and the little thing that somebody says well that could be a song title so your album made you look did you play one of your many instruments on it? Did you have session players? Who's on this album? I actually didn't play an instrument on the album. We got some amazing session players in in Nashville. We recorded at the Tracking Room in Nashville, wow. which was very cool. Merle Haggard, I think, had been there the week before. Taylor Swift had been there two weeks before. And it was very cool to really get to work on an album in a very professional Nashville environment. What was it like for an 11-year-old to be in that environment? I mean, what, was that nerve-wracking at that age? I mean, I was a little nervous, but it was it was always a lot of fun. Um, one of the nice things was all of the session players and our producer and our, our mixer, they all kind of treated me like one of them. It, it's a lot like that Nashville camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really like, oh, I'm the 11-year-old and they're the adults who need to teach me everything. It was more like we all kind of worked together in a collaboration. Well, you're a professional, and they treated you like a peer, uh, exactly what they should have done. I'm dying to hear something off of this album. Can we hear something? Yeah, sure. That, that would be awesome. Off of her album, Made You Look.
Made you look. That's Molly Jean. Uh, made you look, but made you not a lot of money. But <laughs> but I say that only for a specific reason. The proceeds to this album went to charity, didn't they? Yeah. Um, one of the when we did the album, it was sponsored by some of the people at the Loveless Cafe, and they sold the album at their stores, and all of the proceeds from it were donated to St. Jude's, which was awesome. That's a great charity. I mean, that was great of you to do, especially for your first album. I mean, people get excited. They're making their first album. It's the first one. Everybody works really hard on it. You want to see some kind of return. <laughs> but this was for charity. I, I think that that's really something else, especially for your first album and at that age. Was that your idea? Um, they came up with the idea, but we were totally on board. We love St. Jude's. It's one of the charities that we donate to. And so we were totally on board with that from the get-go. I was astounded to find out that you had a couple of hundred songs. When I was 16, I think I had maybe 20, 30 songs. I thought that was a lot. By the time I was 19, I think I had 100 songs. And I really thought that was a lot. You're 16, you have 200. When do you have time to write all these songs? You're in school, you know, wh where and when do you write these songs? I honestly don't know. Um, <laughs> we try to write as often as we can. Um, sometimes my mom and I will have time on weekends or when we have days off from school. But it is hard to balance school and music and all of the other interests that I have. Well, I would say so. I mean, 200 songs, you, you got to be constantly writing because, you know, I, I don't know how you write, what your method is, what comes first, music, lyrics, everybody's a little bit different. But these days when I write a song, I, I can write the music very quickly w within a, an hour. Maybe I can have a finished song except for the lyrics. That takes me sometimes a month. So how do you write? I usually write, my mom and I will usually write lyrics first. Sometimes we'll find a, a cool melody and go off of that. Sometimes the lyrics inspire a melody and then we have to rewrite the lyrics. Yeah. Um, one cool example was a song that I wrote called Ready Already, which maybe two years after my mom and I wrote it, I came up with a little hook, a little, a little thing for the beginning and for like midway through the song. And we ended up kind of rewriting the song to include that. And it was, it's so much fun to sing. And I have a ball singing it. Wow. And what other songwriters inspire you? Who influences you as songwriters? Who do you listen to? Well, I listen to a lot of different songwriters. Um, two of my favorites right now are Lori McKenna and Jason Isbell. Um, they have some really amazing songs and they have some cool solo projects that I love listening to. So those are probably my, my top two right now. Have you ever heard of Harlan Howard? 
Yes, he. Uh, we've uh, heard of Harlan. We've actually met his ex-wife, Jan Howard, who's a great songwriter in her own right and who is really, really talented. And so we've we've heard a lot about Harlan Howard and listened to a lot of his songs. Oh, he's tremendous. And Bobby Braddock is another one of my favorites. And, of course, Willie Nelson has written so many incredible songs. And Roy Acuff and, of course, Hank Williams. And the, the list goes on and on. So many great songwriters to be influenced by. And you seem to be well-versed in the old-school uh, country writers and the new ones as well. I mean, that's really good. It, it makes your songwriting very well-rounded. And that being said, I want to hear something else. Will, will you? Yeah, sure. That sounds great. That would be great. school just like I called you is that song about you <laughs> um, we actually got the idea after Carl Jackson who I mentioned earlier he said something about me being an old soul and I thought that would be a really cool idea for a song so I decided to write it kind of drawing off my experiences but also about all the old souls out there it's really great uh, I mean it's a perfect example of just turning something somebody says into a song and maybe that song will influence somebody else I mean it's the beauty of music it's the beauty of songwriting and you've got plenty of accolades from your songwriting I mean all kinds of stuff that you've done you participated you mentioned earlier in the 
the Smoky Mountain Songwriters Festival. And you've also, you're also what, what a, a, in the, the uh, Nashville Songwriter Association International, right? Yeah, I, I am a member of that. And we've gone to a few, we've gone to their, their building in Nashville. And to all their members, they offer song critiques. And you get to meet a songwriter and talk with them about your music, play them a few songs, and they'll, they'll help you with making them even better. What a great experience that is. And also, and this was really impressive to me, uh, there is a woman, some people out there may be aware, especially if they watched American Idol way back when, when she was a judge, uh, Cara Diaguardi. And she had a songwriting contest, I think, that she invented or sponsored or something. It was a tri-state contest. You did very well in that contest. You came in second. I did. Um, that That's was very amazing. exciting. Um, uh, I can't tri- imagine. Yeah, tri-state rocks. That was the competition that she founded and that was another one Um, and that one was cool because it was the Nashville experience of even though it was a competition it was very friendly and there was a camaraderie with all the contestants and stuff but it was an hour and a half away from our house which was nice Uh, you don't have to drive all the way to Nashville to get that kind of experience the prize for coming in second was I got a summer scholarship at Berkeley College of Music so I was I was able to take a creative writing class online this summer and it was fascinating and it's really helped me with my writing and with finding ways to use my writing creatively and to really express how I feel. I mean, you're a conscientious songwriter. At 16, I wasn't, I was totally into writing songs, but I don't think I was that focused on learning about songs until I was a little bit older. But you really learn and incorporate that stuff. And that's a great trait for a musician, period, let alone a songwriter. So coming in second, how, how has that helped your career, if any, at this point? I mean, I mean you, get to, you get to put that on resumes, but how else has it helped you? Um, it's, been, it's just been even more motivation to say, hey, these... And it, she was one of the judges, and so was Pete Ganbarg, who's an executive for Atlantic Records and a woman named Leslie Stifelman, I believe, who's a musical director at Chicago on Broadway. And it was really a it was really a sign that, hey, I'm doing something that matters, something that people are enjoying, and something that will continue to be fruitful for me. And so it was motivation to help me keep going and keep working on my songwriting. Do you ever watch American Idol? Was is that something that you would aspire to, you know, try to be on American Idol, anything like that? as much into watching the competitions and stuff. Um, One competition that we have not watched yet, but that does look interesting is Songland on NBC, which is about songwriters working on songs and having them basically pitching them to artists, which is very similar to what songwriters actually have to do to get their songs on the radio. So that might be a very cool one to listen to watch well keep learning keep striving go go for everything that you can and and all good things are going to come because you've got talent thank you absolutely what what is csac or s-e-s-a-c i didn't recognize that right away when i heard it what is that csac is one of the three major pros or performing rights organizations um centered in nashville the other two are ascap and bmi and the it's a publishing company. Yeah, basically, when you when you sign up with a PRO, they basically make sure that your music is used in the correct way and is used fairly by everyone. So one of the perks of signing up with CSAC is that you get to make sure that your songs are yours and that they stay yours and are important to you. And in what capacity did you appear in American Songwriter magazine? Um, I've been lucky a few times now. I've had my songs as honorable mentions in the American Songwriter Lyric Contest. Um, Every time they have a new contest, we enter our songs, and my mom and I do. And we've been lucky enough to have quite a few of them be put in the magazine as honorable mentions. And the nice thing is whenever you enter, you get a free copy of the magazine. So we basically have a subscription to American Songwriter magazine just from the submissions that we enter in, which is great. Very thrifty. That's that's very good. Economical, too. That's excellent. That's excellent. 
Well, all this talk of songwriting has made me want to hear another one. Can we hear something else off of your album that you made when you were 11? I have to say that again. <laughs> I'm amazed. Can we hear something else off it? Yeah, sure. Let's check another one out. Listen to this.
So that was one that was called Trying to Outrun the Rain. And that was one that we wrote on the on our way back from, I think, Florida. We always drive wherever we go. My dad's usually our driver. Yeah, I'm usually in the front seat you know, in behind the wheel. My wife's in the passenger side. Molly's in the back seat. They've got their iPads out. They're each writing songs. Then they switch them front seat to back seat. They change the iPads around and finish each other's songs. And this one was, uh, I think, something that I might have said we really got to get going. We got to outrun this rain that the rainstorm was coming in over I-81. And and then the light bulb went off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I mean, songs, again, they can come from anywhere. Usually when your dad misspeaks, you get some great songs out of that, which is excellent. You play a lot locally as well, I notice. I see your name out there. You, you play Performing Arts Center here in Rhinebeck, and you did Porch Fest the annual uh, Rhinebeck Music Festival, Porch Fest, which you played this year, and I just so much wanted to come over and, and see your set because I wanted to talk to you afterward about coming on the show and being a guest. It was not easy to get a hold of you until I, I ran into somebody that knew you, and then we were able to kind of you know get, get things going, and here you are, and I'm very grateful for that. But you also played at a place called Samuel's. I, I don't think anyone that I know has played at Samuel's except for you. And for those who are listening now and don't know Samuel's, it's a nice, cute little candy store here in Rhinebeck and beautiful downtown Rhinebeck, owned by a couple of uh, big celebrities. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays the evil Negan on the popular show The Walking Dead, and then also owned by comedian and actor Paul Rudd and they're kind of staples of the area. Did you get any feedback when you when you played there? I get to play there a lot. I'm kind of their artist in residence. Wow. And you and get free candy? <laughs> um actually one of the payment at Samuel's is you get to choose something to bring with you as a as a little as a little treat, as a little reward. And I'm not a big candy person, so I just have their brownie. Um, but I, I always, I always love playing at Samuel's. I haven't gotten a reaction from Paul and Jeffrey, but I have gotten the very first time I played the, the third owner of the store, Andy Ostroy, whose wife, Adrian Shelley, was the creative force behind the movie Waitress. He came in and he was very nice and, and he was very nice about the, the music and stuff. Paul Rudd, I believe, did an interview on Jimmy Kimmel and mentioned the store and he said that his kid will run through the store and pocket all of the candies and Jimmy Kimmel chimed in he's literally a kid in a candy shop <laughs> and I now have a song called Kid in a Candy oh, Shop thanks to that interview there you go again exactly I love it I love it well you're right in there you're working it you're in the music business working making these moves for for such a, a young woman I, I just find that great I, I think with your abilities and your drive it, it's just inevitable that you're you're gonna get somewhere at least that that's what I'm hoping for so what's next Molly I mean you're 16 a couple years presumably you'll go to college I don't know study music or go on the road what what do you want out of your music in the future what, what do you think about when you think about the future of your music well I definitely would love to go to college and learn a bit more about I really haven't decided yet but I have been looking into some music programs I've been looking into Berkeley um, mm. we've been looking into Belmont University and we're actually, I believe, we're going to Nashville this Christmas for Christmas break. So we might take a tour of Belmont while we're there. I guess um, we are now. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely want to keep on going with my music and keep on improving my songwriting and just learning as much as I can so that I can make my music better and improve as a human being. Well, I'm really impressed and I'm so happy that you were able to come on the show today and talk about your music and your career and play some stuff. We've run out of time, which is always sad, but I just want to thank you so much for stopping by and, and being part of the show today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to come. This has been a blast. It's my pleasure. I'm very happy to have you here. And I'd love it if you could take the show out with one last song. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, definitely. Great. I 
Just great, Molly. That was a, a kind of a dark song. What was the name of it, and where do you get your inspiration for a song like that? Um, that one was called Writing Letters, um, and that one, that one was one that we got from a friend of ours in Nashville who told us a story about a guy who was in prison and didn't have any way to contact his family other than to write letters and hoping desperately that someone would get them. And we thought that was a really cool idea for a song and we worked on that. That one was that one took a while to figure out the exact tone that we wanted for it and the exact way to write it. Um, but once we got it, we were very proud of it. And that one was one of the ones that got an honorable mention in American Songwriter Magazine. Wow. So, so that was very cool. An award-winning song, or at least men- mentioned. <laughs> uh, it will win awards eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> You've got a, a wide range of material. I notice you like suspended chords. Is that part of your style, would you say? Yeah, I think so. I used to just write with regular chords, but then I discovered how to how to do suspended chords, and I fell in love with them, and I really started using a lot of them in my music. Well, I'm going to come out and, and look for your name uh, locally and try to come out and see you play. I, I'd love just tracking your progress and just see see where you go from here because I, I, I think the possibilities are endless. The sky is the limit. When you're 16 and you're this good, anything can happen. So I hope that when you win your CMA or your Grammy, you come back and visit us on the show. Definitely. Thank oh. you again so much for letting me come on. Uh, it's my pleasure, Molly. Thank you so much for being here. Molly Jean, everybody. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, produced and engineered every week by Rusty Johnson. Click to subscribe, and that'll just be great for everybody. And come back next week, and I promise I'll have an interview with another talented Hudson Valley musician. And we'll see you then. (laughs) 